The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we look at Iran. The controversial international negotiations over Iran's nuclear program are at a critical stage, but can they really succeed? To discuss that question, I'm joined in the studio by Sam Jones, our security correspondent, and Rula Halaf, the FT's foreign editor. Sam, first of all, just tell us where we are with these negotiations. Why is it such a crucial time? Well, this is the sort of latest phase in, in a whole series of negotiations that began in November 2013, which were aimed at curbing Iran's nuclear program and curbing the, the international sanctions on Iran. And since then, there's been a series of stages that have brought us to this point. Mostly, that's been a process of kicking the can down the road, because getting the terms of this agreement have been so difficult. Where we're at now is that there are three months to go until a final comprehensive deal is supposed to be signed. But in the meantime, the world powers, the P5 plus one, that's the five members of the UN Security Council uh, and Germany and Iran have agreed that they need to come up with some kind of broad brush outline of a deal, a sort of political level uh, contract to announce to the world by the end of March. Why this deadline? I mean, why March? Why June? Well, it's sort of artificial, the March deadline. Principally, it's been designed because there's a recognition that hardliners in Iran and hawks in Congress in the US need to be placated before they take steps that will make these negotiations impossible to achieve. So really, this is about having something to announce that will show progress has been made. And really, do we know the outlines now of the deal? Well, first, I think that the reason that they have to do this now is because there was an interim agreement that was signed in November 2013, and that was supposed to last a year, by which time we were supposed to have a full agreement, a comprehensive agreement. And that deadline was extended by six months. And here we are today. Mm -hmm. I think there are some general principles that have been agreed, but I think there are details that have yet to be agreed. Nobody's seen any text of an agreement, but from what various sources have said, it's likely to be a 10-year agreement. The Iranians essentially freeze all work on any kind of nuclear activity, except for around 6,000 centrifuges. That's the number that we've heard that will still be able to enrich uranium at a very low level and for domestic consumption. And then the uranium, Sam, you'll know this better. Mm. But any kind of higher enrichment will have to be done in Russia and not in Iran. Exactly. So the centrifuges will be allowed to enrich uranium to a low level, which will be usable as fuel in reactors. They won't be allowed to enrich it to a high level, and the Iranians won't be allowed a stockpile of uranium. So instead, any enriched uranium will have to be directly shipped to Russia, and the Russians will convert it into fuel rods. And once that's done, it's very hard for the Iranians to repackage it, repurpose it, and make it back into right. nuclear fuel that could be used in a bomb. Now, it's highly technical stuff, obviously, Rula, but it's also highly political. And we've seen the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, just before his re-election go to Congress to really try and stop this at, at source, in a way, in Washington. I gather it's also very controversial in Iran. Just give us a sense of the politics and how likely this is to even happen. Well, obviously, this is transformational in terms of the geopolitics of the region. This would be the first time that you have a long-term agreement with Iran. If you recall, 10 years ago, there was a interim short-term agreement. The Iranians suspended enrichment, and then they couldn't reach a final agreement, and therefore went back to enrichment. So this agreement, if it is reached and it can stick, 
will completely transform the way that the world has looked at Iran and Iran's relations with the outside world because it would be the first step and a very important step for Iran's rehabilitation in the international community. Given what's been happening in the Middle East in the last few years, this is about the only bit of good news that you're likely to have. Obviously, the biggest problem with this agreement I think is perhaps less the details than the internal politics, be it in Washington, in Tehran, but also regionally. Israel obviously is unhappy with the details of the agreement. There are concerns among the Gulf Arab states that Iran will be emboldened and will be able to flex its muscles in the region even more. Congress, as we know, is watching very, very closely, doesn't like this agreement, would rather put more sanctions on Iran rather than give them sanctions relief, which will have to be a big part of this agreement. This is why the Iranians would be signing it. So I think there's still a lot of politics to be worked out. We've heard a lot about Israeli objections, obviously, in recent weeks. But is there also some disagreement amongst the Western allies? I've heard the French, for example, appear in recent days to be a little bit sceptical of the deal. I think that all the P5 plus one want a deal. I think there are slightly different positions as to how many centrifuges you allow Iran to have. And the French tend to be more hardline on this than the Brits, the Germans, obviously the Russians and Chinese, and even the Americans. Mm -hmm. My sense is that we're not at a stage where this will derail an agreement, but it does mean that it could require more discussion. And Sam, I mean, you obviously talk to all the kind of experts on this. How confident are the people who follow the very complicated business of making a nuclear bomb that this kind of deal would be a guarantee that Iran couldn't do it? Not entirely. I mean, there are so many moving parts to this that it's really very hard to ever be precise. One of the key outstanding issues, which Ruda mentioned earlier, is research and development into a new generation of more advanced centrifuges. That hasn't been nailed down in the agreement yet. Instead, we've got agreement to limit to 6,000, the number that they can currently operate. But if Iran were allowed to develop new centrifuges, with a very small number of those new centrifuges, it could then at some point in the future make a dash to the bomb that will be much harder to detect and much harder to stop and much quicker as well. So at the moment, what what the P5 plus one talk about is a 12-month breakout time. And this is the sacred cow for the, uh, the P5 plus one in their negotiations, that above all else, what this has to achieve is to put Iran a year away from being able to have enough enriched uranium for a bomb. And under the current parameters, they think they've just about got it. But there are so many other little moving parts that could in the future throw all of this out. So it's by no means an entirely watertight deal. And that's why so much of this is going to depend a lot on really, really extensive surveillance and verification by the IAEA, the the International Atomic Energy Agency. I think the verification issue is very important because at the end of the day, the choice was either you don't get a deal or you make a compromise. And the compromise was that you allow Iran to continue to have some limited enrichment capability. And Iran does have the right under the NPT to have a peaceful nuclear program. So in order to ensure that Iran doesn't divert this program to an atomic weapons program, you need to have a very strict verification regime. And I think this is where there are probably still discussions as to the extent of verification 
position that Iran is willing to take. But if you're going to have an agreement, I think it came down to a compromise rather than an elimination of the whole program, which Iran would not have gone for. And I gather that's the sticking point, isn't it, Sam, that for the ultras in Congress and for the Israelis, it's not acceptable to have a limited nuclear program. They say there should be no nuclear program at all. Yes, there have been successive UN Security Council resolutions as well. So this isn't just about hardliners that have in the past said Iran is not allowed to enrich any uranium. And so there is an argument to be made that Iran should come down to zero centrifuges in accordance with what the international community has previously agreed legitimately. But I suppose there has to be flexibility here. And Iran has so far flouted those rules. And so, you know, in terms of negotiating a solution to this, there has been this acceptance that you can't just turn around to Tehran and say, no, you may not do any of this, because that's just something that I think everybody around the negotiating table accepts is never going to fly. And Rula, give us a sense of what the Iranians' thinking is, what's brought them to this stage. I think the reason that Iran is negotiating at this stage, I mean, Iran, you have to remember, has been negotiating over its nuclear program for about 13, 14 years since the program was discovered and did suspend at one point. I think that the sanctions are a factor because they have hurt the Iranian economy tremendously. I think that the oil price collapse has also been a factor, although that's a more recent factor. But my sense is that the supreme leader who has given his backing to this negotiation process, I think realized that if he wants his regime to survive, then he needs to maintain legitimacy at home. And on a popular level, it has become very, very clear to him and to everybody else that people want an end to the isolation. And so I think there is a measure of having to respond to what has become blatant and clear is that the regime as it stands today with its very hardline policies cannot maintain legitimacy in Iran. Now, of course, he has had very clear red lines. And, you know, as Sam was saying, there is no way that the Iranians would sign on to a program that would never allow them to enrich. So I think a deal like this can still keep options open for the future. And as far as you're concerned, this whole enrichment question, though, is a question of national pride or is that they would at some level want a nuclear weapons option? I think both. And Sam... If there's a deal, will it necessarily go through? We talked about all this opposition. Obviously, the spectre that's hung over everyone is the possibility of another war in the Middle East. Is that spectre, I don't know if you can take spectres off the table, but does it disappear if there's a deal? No, I don't think it does. I mean, the Israelis, for example, have been very clear that they feel the way the negotiations are going will produce a bad deal. And they have stressed in the past that under such circumstances of a bad deal, they keep their options open. Some people say it's too far advanced now for the Israelis to be able to, well, to take out. They haven't been drawn on that, but they haven't denied it. They haven't come out and said, you know, no, we couldn't destroy uh, physically the Iranian nuclear program. But I, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to try. And clearly, In the past as well, there have been destructive actions that have been taken, such as the Stuxnet virus, um, which weren't necessarily overtly military, but did cause great damage to the Iranians' nuclear program. And obviously, you know, there's been a whole history of assassinations and things like that, plus other diplomatic routes. I mean, it's also important to stress that sanctions are not going to disappear on Iran. It's going to be a phased withdrawal of sanctions, which could always be ramped up again. And in the US as well, there are some sanctions which will be impossible to 
to remove, even with a comprehensive nuclear deal, such as, for example, removing Iran from the list where it's designated as a state sponsor of terrorism. Now, for that to happen, it's going to require a lot more than just a nuclear deal to be signed. And we talked a lot, Ruler, about Western opposition and Israeli opposition. What about within Iran itself? President Rouhani is under enormous pressure, isn't he, from hardliners, as far as we can tell? Yes, absolutely. But because the supreme leader has given his backing to the negotiations and because he has decided that he would accept what everyone is calling a good deal, the hardliners are not in a position to attack President Rouhani on the nuclear front. And therefore, what they've been trying to do is to undermine him in other ways, to target some of the big figures of the more moderate camp, uh, try to put them under pressure. Uh, I mean, their biggest concern is that Rouhani is going to be the hero of an agreement. Mm. And therefore, the moderates, the reformist camps, who've been under huge pressure in recent years, will be emboldened and will be able to win next year's parliamentary elections. So I think there's a big fight that's coming, but it would be the day after an agreement is reached rather than now. Okay, well, we could talk forever, but uh, we can't because we're going to run out of time. But Sam, can I just finish by slightly putting you on the spot? We've heard all about the technical problems, the political opposition in the US, Israel and so on. If you had to guess, where will we be a year from now? I don't know about a year. I mean, in a few months from now, I'd assume we'll have a deal. Things have shifted a lot. And I think if I was a betting man, I would put money on a deal rather than not. Whether the deal will stick in the long term, I don't know. And whether that deal will be to the satisfaction of all the various parties who feel they have a stake in it is certainly not going to be the case. Okay, well, thank you both very much indeed. Thanks to Sam Jones and to Rula Khalaf, both of you here in the studio in London. And we'll find out how this pans out, I guess, in the next couple of weeks. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.